Stock Dads are back for season two of their hit podcast, Stocks and Sandals. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to build generational wealth. So tuck in your t-shirt, put your Crocs in sport mode, and let's grill up some profits. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Zabala. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown. Today, we have a really interesting topic, I think. And I think, DJ, this might be the first time someone's ever like come to us with a topic. Like someone actually wants to be on our podcast. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I feel like that's uh, not true, though. I feel like we just always begged Austin to come on, and he's just finally letting in. No. Yeah, definitely. true. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So we are welcoming back Austin, uh, aka the Big Quench, aka the real Mike Sabala, uh, <laughs> on onto the podcast today. Austin was with us for a couple episodes back in season one. Um, so you guys should be w- very familiar with his um, work. We'll call it <laughs> his uh, <laughs> his um, you know explicit sense of humor and uh, you know all that kind of fun stuff. So we're we're, we're loving having Austin back. Uh, you know this is going to be a fun episode, but this is something that Austin has been talking to us about for a while, and it, we figure it's time to uh, <laughs> for t- it's time to start actually understanding it and kind of figure out a little bit more about this whole topic. So we're going to be talking about private equity today, or as Austin likes to call it. Go ahead, Austin. What is it? Equity Privat. <laughs> equity Privat. No, yeah. Sorry for what just happened to your ears, uh, our listeners. And so that was, you know, un- unexpected. So no, we're going to be talking about private equity today, what it is, how it works, you know, how it's another opportunity for investors to get involved in, you know, companies in a different way than what, you know, you're typically, you know, accustomed to us talking about, which is, you know, trading and, you know, stock market and all that kind of stuff. So Austin, real quick, for the people that don't know you, just introduce yourself. I'm not even going to try and censor you. Just just have fun. Introduce yourself. <laughs> let it, let the people know who you are. I'm a trade trader guy, I guess. Um, proprietor of uh, numerous establishments. Stock group, uh, financial publication company, intervention company for substance abuse, and then um, nonprofit as well. That's about it. I just like uh, I like helping people learn stuff, learning stuff myself, and dicking around and talking about it, and having a tender, tender and supple day. <laughs> I feel like you. I feel like you've grown so much from the first time we had you on the the podcast. Your businesses have just kept going. Erupted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they did. They definitely did. I mean. From the first options one, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'd say, I don't know, maybe 50% bigger. It's crazy. As of you, you, my friend. We have. We have grown a lot. I don't think we uh, had it back then. I remember the first conversation we had. Yeah, we uh, I don't think we that. did either. It was uh, our our Discord and, and the idea of monetization was but a whisper in the wind <laughs> at that point. So... <laughs> No, but yeah, Austin is a jack of all trades, knows a ton about a lot of different 
types of investments and just a business guru um you know if, if it's business related austin knows something about it so he's a really valuable guest uh we we joke a lot we have a lot of fun but i don't want to i don't want to downplay um the the actual value that austin brings and the knowledge and stuff like that as well so um while you might see mike's mike's private lover up on the screen you know and and all the fun stuff uh austin is he's someone worth listening to so we're gonna jump right in and uh kind of get started about you know on this topic of private equity i'm just gonna start with the basics austin what is private equity i mean just give us the rundown um so okay very interesting so we go back to 2012 the passing of the jobs act i'm sure everyone's heard of it to a degree um or at least heard the name right which basically did two things like well it did one big thing but through two ways so like it basically allowed people like us as regular retail people um access to like startups basically or uh private companies um, and the difference between private and public is like private businesses, like independently held, doesn't report to the SEC, isn't publicly traded. Um, and then obviously public is like or companies like, you know, Tesla that you see on the NASDAQ or NYSE where they have, a, you know, board and, and shareholders and different types of compliance to, to maintain. But um, it basically so <clears throat> like rich, the, the, the true wealthy people in this world have been engaged in private equity and, and crowdfunding, basically small scale crowdfunding with a small select group of people. They've been doing stuff like that for a very long time. And that's how their wealth compounds um, so quickly because you look at guys like, what was it, Peter Thiel? I mean, he, in a Roth IRA has like, I don't know, some like billions of dollars now, just from, you know, making one or two decent um, private equity investment. A big one that you'll hear of a lot is like the the whole Gary Vaynerchuk passing on Uber. So when he was offered a stake in Uber for a, a significant cash investment, right? I think they're asking fifty thousand from him. Uh, he passed on it. Uh, if he had said yes and jumped in, this is before Uber went private or before Uber went public. So while they were a private company, uh, I think he would have walked away with something like four hundred million plus um, had he taken that investment. That seems odd to me that he wouldn't do that. It's his biggest, from what I've seen of him talk about it, he's like, yeah, it's like the biggest mistake I've ever yeah. made. I feel like 50 grand is not that much to him. Well, Maybe yeah, it was back like, in the day. This, yeah, it's a while back. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he had money like that back then. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the private equity, like when I think of it, I think of it like Shark Tank. I mean, like that's... Yeah, that's, no, Exactly. I mean, like that's exactly kind of what, what most of our listeners will probably be able to relate to. It's, you know, people, you know, with ideas and, you know, early stages of business and stuff that are looking for investors to, you know, kind of take them to the next level, add value uh, in return for, you know, sometimes cash, some, you know, equity partnerships and that kind of stuff too. Correct? Yeah. Very, very wealthy guy I met here back. He said, you know, he said most people, like most people don't ever get rich with their own money so they get rich with other people's money hence why they raise money pretty much any big tech company you've seen they were worth you know millions and hundreds of millions of dollars before they had a tangible product or any revenue um because cash gives you access cash gives you opportunity cash gives you you know the ability to hire good employees it gives you the ability to develop and test products it gives you access to the best tech the best marketing everything and so 
these companies will raise a lot of money before they even get rolling so that they, you know, come out hidden and come out quick. So the two ways that the jobs act opened up the ability to raise money for these private companies, like number one would be crowdfunding, which everyone's heard of that in some way, shape or form, like GoFundMe is a form of crowdfunding web platforms where, you know, people with say only a hundred bucks can have a stake in the game. Um, and then there's the second form of investment, which is like, they're called reg A's or regulation a approved by the sec. It's a little more formal. It's a little more formal process. So basically rather than everyone pooling their money into this big pool and it's kind of messy, you know, and how much do you really own and all that, this is a lot more straightforward. And like with the way everything's been digitized, it's much easier to, to utilize regulation A's. Um, because for example, like say, you know, stock dad's going public. We want to, or not press out stock dad's intends to go public eventually, but we want to get some cash now and give you a stake in the company before it does. You run a regulation A, obviously it has to be approved by the SEC. And basically you would then just put out like a short link where people with a, like a, a broker, right. To log in, deposit money. So all secured. And then people can buy, you can set the minimum, right? Typically the minimum is at the very least hundred bucks. So you have to have a hundred dollars to invest. Right. And, um, like the one that <clears throat> will be released. And I was telling you guys about earlier that we will all be looking at and working on in the next couple months, their first round that they're doing this first offering, which is a regulation a is at a dollar share. And this is the cool part. And this kind of gives some insight into like how the wealthy get even wealthier with stuff like this, because the biggest thing is access, right? Like if you think about the stock market, like before the digital age really exploded and you had the Robin hoods and Weebles, which is all relatively recent, you know, we're talking five years here before all of that. I mean, you had to know somebody you just had to, to even get mm -hmm. access to any of these deals or anything like that. It's very old world. And so in, in offering these first initial shares at a dollar, the cool part is, is like they can set benchmarks so that, for example, if everyone say, you know, you and me and DJ all had, you know, $10 million total, right? We're each putting in $3.3 million. Wouldn't that be nice? And we buy each 3.3 million shares of this company. And boom, we hit that $10 million cap. So they've raised $10 million, right? They then revaluate the company based on the cash. And those same shares are now worth $2 a piece, right? So if anyone else comes in after us, they're buying in at $2 a share. So you could look at it as a immediate 100% return on investment, right? How do you go about like investing in the, or who can invest in these, right? Cause so like these aren't stocks you can just like hop on Robinhood and trade because they're private. Right. So like, how do you get access to these or like, how have people been able to trade them in the past? Is it just by knowing the owner of the company or how's that work? Yeah. You could look at these kind of like a mini IPO. So like Webull really changed the game when they started. They were the first brokerage that I saw at least that was really pushing and promoting early access to IPOs, right? You know, if you guys ever saw that on the Webull app, but <clears throat> that was the first time I'd ever seen that. Um, 
And those, so those are not mini IPOs. Those are actual IPOs, companies going from private to public in one swoop, right? And so they were doing early access. So how that could work for Webull is the company does a placement with Webull, right? And based on the amount of money they raise or what have you, they might get like a certain stake in the company for brokering it, right? And that's how that could work. So it's like it's worth it to them. And it's also beneficial to the people because they would not have had access otherwise. So same goes kind of with mini IPOs, like the one that we're going to do. Like it is, dude, it's honestly, it's luck. I mean, I was introduced to the right guy, introduced me to the right guy, introduced me to the right guy. And um, <clears throat> basically it's a company that's just trying to build like an actual user. I mean, they, they care about their people. That's what I like about them. It's like they're trying to build like a fan base, right? Like an actual user base. Like they want the majority of the stake in their company owned by actual like users, subscribers, what have you, people who utilize those services, people that like those products, blah, blah, blah. People that believe in the brand. That's who they want owning their company. Um, because there's a lot of benefit to that. I mean, just everyday people like us, we'll, we'll share stuff on Facebook. We'll tell our friends about it. We'll tell our parents about it, our wives, husbands, blah, blah, blah. We share information, right? And so what they want is just to build an organic following. So like a, a really good example of that, in my opinion, was um, what's her face with Honest Brands. I think it was, was that Jessica Alba, right? Yeah. This Honest Brand, yeah. They, she did a fantastic job with building the brand um, with these big mom networks, right? And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I do believe some of the like mom communities that she founded like on social media actually got early access in terms of a private offering before it went IPO, which, you know, think about how cool that is because they probably got in at half of the valuation, meaning they probably double tripled their money once it went public. Just regular people. But I think that the, the landscape is shifting here to where I think like some of the, you know, like call it Wall Street, it's all Wall Street, but, you know, pro business, if you will is starting to realize that there is actually a lot of power to raising smaller amounts of money over time, but in the process also building an organic audience. I mean, just just in marketing and advertising, you can look at the same idea as like, you know, people will pay out the ass to get an organic audience like, because you can do pay-per-click all day for customers, but the second you stop spending, you lose it. But if you have like a quality organic following, like your people care about what you're doing and they're championing your brand as much as you. Like I see it on your guys' Facebook all the time. People that are actual members of your group, right? They're on there like, hey, this actually really benefited me. I've actually made a good bit of money, but more importantly, I've like learned. I know what I'm doing now, which is like the biggest thing, because if you don't know what you're doing, it would just be a flash in the pan. And so especially with like people like, oh, it's a scam, blah, 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 it's a scam. And so people are posting like, hey, I made like, you know, X amount of percentage last month, but I'm up like 50% over the year. So I wasn't up 50% on my own, but I am now. So, you right. know, just right. be an asshole, just join the group, you know, <laughs> but with real people, like you're not paying them to do that. You're not telling them to do it. It's just, they've watched it happen for themselves. And they just want other people to know that it's happening. It's like, those are the best people. Yeah, right. I think DJ's actually gotten Facebook banned for offering nudes for 
those kinds oh, of comments. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey. Oh, that big <laughs> promotion. <laughs> yeah. Well, the signups you got, though, in, in any one promotion, though, am I not correct? They not. work. The, the nudes Yeah, work. it was like, yeah, one nude per signup. And, I mean, it was, we exploded. I mean, we had more members ever. Yeah, and he it all literally stuck around exploded. Because, you know what's, like, weird is um, my wife actually joined Stock Dads around <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, y'all y'all live house. pretty close together. Girls, so. girls of him just yep. spread eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do live wings. just down the street, Austin. So you he know, got, he had an artist render eagle wings upon his body. Hey man, th- there's there's value to be provided in our community. I'm just saying, <laughs> there is. Even it's, if it's just news, you don't want to trade. Fine. Mm-hmm. We've got something for everybody. We do. New trade we do. Yep. <laughs> All members can submit. Stats on the back and everything. Oh, gosh. He couldn't um, fit all of Mike's stats on one card, so he actually has two cards. He does. <laughs> front and back. And yeah. 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 Front all, and back, each one. You're just trying yeah. to make me feel uncomfortable. You know, I'm not anything <laughs> special. Cool, man. People need to know. But, yeah, I mean, so, like, yeah, the Jessica Alba thing's a perfect example. I mean, she did a great job. She built an audience before she was public. And thus, when it went public, it, it, it already had support. And any you know that anything can kill a stock price, right? Anything in the world. Sometimes even good news kills momentum. It just is what it is. Like the, the unknown is what drives what drives everything. And so, like, I think to build that organic brand following, you know, it's like, that's smart. And, like, I like that these companies are doing this, whether it is through Regulation A, the mini IPOs, or, you know, <clears throat> crowdfunding. Like, personally, I like the Reg A is better because it's direct to consumer. Um, you can track your ownership stake. Now, here's the most important part, which I didn't get into, and I'll make sure I, I explain, is like with private equity, there's absolutely still risk. It's not a, not a guarantee. The way that most people will approach it, okay? So most people, the money, the way they approach it is they put their money into five buckets, and they just hope that one of them, one of them does well, right? So they'll buy into five companies, five private companies, right? And in, in most cases, one of those companies will blow up so much that it covers the cost of the other four investments. Ideally, two or three do quite well, two fail, and one does very well. Then that's a big come up because, for example, um, most of the companies I've been tracking since we've been talking with this company uh, in the same space, basically same you know industry and then even some in the same sector, some in different, but same industry overall. Um, I would say average return of 3x um, once they'd officially gone public, right? So for instance, you buy in at $1 share, right? And then when the company finally does IPO roughly three years later, two or three years later, because remember, it's a long it's a long time span. Like it's not something for the people that are impatient. It's something you just want to sit on for 36 months. So this company specifically, their, their trajectory to um, public listing is 36 months. So- their plan is built out, their runway, their, their cash runway and everything is built out with the anticipation of becoming a publicly traded company in 36 months. So <clears throat> I buy in a dollar share in 36 months, hopefully, ideally, uh, the company will IPO around $6 a share, you know, and that's, that's discounting what happens when the market opens. So say the market opens and the IPO goes up 50% and it's at $9 a share. 
me and anyone else that got in at the same time as I did got in at a dollar a share and has the opportunity to cash out at, you know, six, seven, eight, nine dollars a share. That's like a 500% return. So like, that's how you can kind of see how the wealthy have used vehicles like this to just straight up quadruple their money because they're getting in early. They're taking on more risk. They have to be, you have to be more of a visionary to kind of see what the, what, especially if you're good at finding these, like you look at a product, a company, it's like, if you just know, you know, if this makes sense. This company will be successful. They're filling a need that doesn't, isn't being filled right now in the marketplace, or they do something better and have a better, you know, brand approach and audience than this company does. I think they'll take some of their market share. Then you can reasonably assume that your investment will grow. And if you're willing to wait two, three years and take a little bit of risk, then it's worth doing. But again, I recommend that, you know, you try to find four or five opportunities allocate equally into each of them and odds are that one of them will blow up big enough that it'll more than cover the cost of the rest so there's probably there's like two kind of ways you can go about it right you're just like a cash investor or like and that's like your your investment that's it and then there's also opportunities where you then can provide some sort of value to the company as well like i mean if you're thinking shark tank you know like sometimes it's like okay here's your money i get the equity and then basically you get access to my, you know, my name, my marketing, my, you know, this team will help you do that. Uh, you know, kind of like an a influx of cash as needed, you know, type of stuff like that. And then, so I guess for a retail private investor, how do you find those opportunities where, you know, where you may not have a ton of, of value to offer other than just your, your money, right? you know, and like, how do you find those opportunities? Are you, uh, are you looking at like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, like that kind of stuff? Yeah, you can. From what I understand, those traditionally like are like selling their pre-selling products. So I don't know if you can actually buy a stake in the company that way. I'm not sure. Okay. But I know a lot of times Kickstarter, it's like with a product that might be a little out there, they'll try to pre-sell because that's then how they go and raise their cash, right? So like if they have a product that seems like it's crazy, but they pre-sell 500 of them, then they've demonstrated market viability and they can then go to venture capital firms and say, look, we've already sold 500 and they don't even exist. So give us the money to build them, right? So that's how that works. Um, I would say that right now it's still in the, you gotta kind of know somebody phase, in my opinion. Um, to find the good ones, at least, because there's a whole bunch of garbage. You got to really know what you're sifting through. And I basically have one guy that he does this for a living. He helps with these offerings. And so pretty much he's, he, he'll never waste my time. And he knows that I care. And I make sure that, like, you know, because I'm sharing these with other people. Like, I, I'm not having that blood on my hands. Like, don't give me <laughs> right. And um, also putting my own money in it. So it has to be something I genuinely believe in. He basically just kind of sifts through them and then sends me the ones that, you know, hey, you might like this, you might like that, you might like this. But I don't know how it'll change in the future. I imagine that as we continue going, like if you look at like crypto and NFTs and all that, like eventually I think someone in, is going to kind of cultivate a marketplace for these to where I think they can just be purely crowdfunded. But just from an investing standpoint, but, and by, by that I mean just to own equity in the company. There's some that are kind of already doing it, but I'd never heard of them until this kind of landed in front of me. So what I'm hoping is that like, you know, I'm hoping that like, like we can be the ones to bring that because like this one is really the pilot run to just kind of see how the process works. 
see how everything goes. Like, is it easy to understand? Is it simple to do? Like, that's what I, above all else, like it has to be simple. Anything that's not, it's just, it's not worth the time. So as long as it's a simple process and the company is very forthcoming and sharing information and answering questions and making things publicly available, such as like revenue and compensation, because if they're hiding things as a private company, they don't owe you that. That's the thing. So mm-hmm. you got to make sure that it's a company that actually values like transparency, integrity, blah, blah, blah. So my hope is that we can just continue. And they have been up to this point, a hundred percent. Like obviously we had to sign disclose, non-disclosures for some stuff. Um, it's like proprietary to their business, but um, the rest of the stuff they've made publicly available and all that. And I'm, I'm just excited to see honestly just how it goes and just watch the process of like becoming public. Cause I think it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. So kind of going off of that, are there any, like, is this more heavily or less heavily regulated than like, you know, publicly traded stuff? Like, are there, different rules that apply to private equities or is that too technical or just can you speak? I, I would just call it like different regulation. It's regulated differently. Um, still regulated by the SEC. So the same governing body that regulates the stock market, but it's regulated in a little bit of a different way. Meaning like what they really care about is just to make sure that you're maintaining the compliance needed as you go on your trajectory to become publicly listed. Then it's then it's all it's all on the SEC at that point. Once you're publicly listed, that's all them. They're watching you like a hawk. You know what I mean? The way you watch DJ, I get <clears throat> pretty it. much the cameras and all of that. You know, <laughs> I did find Pulling a camera in my yard the other day. I thought that was weird, but you should look at the pictures, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Dude, it's in my bathroom. <laughs> okay, <time>. so <laughs> right. So you mentioned, you know, you kind of have to sift through the crap, right? And know, you know, even once you know the right person, you still have to know, like, what's a good investment, you know, or, or what you at least think is a good investment. So right. can you just kind of talk about some of like, I don't know, maybe your top three, like most important things that you would look for in a uh, in, in an investment opportunity is like something that like grabs your attention as like, okay, this could be the real deal. Oh, that's a great question, actually. Um, number one, like, I always look at, like, market viability. Like, what's the reality of this actually taking off in the market, right? Like, if it's a, if it's a company with, like, you know, we're going to be the next Walmart, that's not something I'm really going to be that excited about because Walmart already exists. And then you also have Amazon. Like, I know it's just a very high competition, very high cost of entry business. So their likelihood of success is minimal. But if it's like something groundbreaking or something that really bridges together other technology or products that are already doing very well, that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. Very forward thinking. Um, So like basically, will the market like it? And do I believe that there's a place for it? Number one. Number two, um, their cash position and um, current revenues, if any. Um, I just kind of want to see how well have they done at raising money so far. And, and, and that can tell you a lot about the, the story of the company. Like you want to find companies with good stories. And, and often you find that by taking a look at who's been willing to put up money. So like this one in particular has received some early funding or way earlier on than typical for a funding amount of this size um, from a board member of very, very, um, interesting and very large publicly traded company 
that was pretty much the biggest vote of confidence for me because it's someone in uh, the similar space, but is also holding a board seat on a, I would say, NASDAQ top 50 company, which is very impressive to me because you could also kind of glean from that, that the guy knows what he's doing. And so if he's willing to put up this kind of capital into this opportunity, odds are he's done his due diligence. And beyond that, I mean, he sees, he, he answers the first question of market viability because he wouldn't be in it without it, right? And so if I agree that it also has viability in the market, meaning people will openly and welcome, they will welcome the product or service or whatever, then that's number two is like, how have they done with funding so far? Um, because you don't want to be the first into a company that nobody's been willing to fund. You don't ever want to, I personally don't, there's too much risk until somebody else has put up their money. I just don't want to touch it. And we've had quite a few that's like, it's very interesting, but they've raised zero dollars. Right. And this is not, I mean, you can also have the biggest return that way by being the first in, mm-hmm. but it's just a matter of risk. And then the third thing I would say is, uh, like if it's a, if it's an opportunity that we're really trying to suss out like executive communication like is the company willing to jump on a call to discuss their their the future of their business is the company willing to spend money to market their products and, and are they willing to communicate that with us and and possibly work together develop a partnership like are they open and, and honest and sharing their media packets and stuff like that because like you just want to know that it's a company that's smart enough to know how to market their product. Like if they came to me and they were like, we're only doing TV commercials, that's it. And we're doing them on old people channels. Like I would not have any interest because I know that that's an overpriced medium that doesn't deliver. Whereas you have something like TikTok that can deliver you 200,000 views in 15 minutes for absolutely no cost. Like it's just stupid. I, I wanna look for companies that are forward thinking. And I want to make sure I hear it from the executives at that company before we have any involvement, because if they're not, then I know that it's not going to garner any kind of following. I mean, you look single-handedly at what social media did for the market cap of companies like GameStop and AMC. Like, look at that. Like, I'm not saying you don't want that to happen at all, but you do want them, like a Tesla is a good example. Like, yeah, there are a couple of zealots that are like, no matter what, just all about, but, but it also has driven the price and built speculation and forward thinking opportunity because people are just genuine believers in not only like taking care of the planet, you know, defending against climate change, like moving to more sustainable modes of transportation, like they're believers in that, but they also believe in the brand itself to, to solve those problems. So like you want, I want that. And the only way they've done that is through like modern marketing media and communications. So I've heard of private equities before, right? And I've never had a great idea of what they actually are. And now that you're describing it, I think I have a pretty, you know, decent idea, but like, what's the difference between like a private equity and a venture capitalist? Because I feel like they're pretty similar. They're both like... Well, yeah, so like venture capital is is often the most frequent investor in private equity they're the they're the ones doing a lot of private equity right so this is the same idea it's just rather than get all the money from one person and give up a lot more of the control and kind of corporatize everything some companies that are a little bit smaller right like like i don't know like facebook was never going to do crowdfunding because it was just such an immediate success it just made sense 
So like that's a company that leans on VC to get all the money up front all at once from one person. Clean, simple transaction. Um, smaller companies that want to be more crowdsourced, like will go to people like us, right? Like they, they're looking for smaller investment from more people rather than bigger investment from fewer people. So like venture capital, they are the people that are giving those very large investments. Like, for example, like I remember like when I first started, maybe I was like a year into Never Alone. This guy from Goldman Sachs was like, hey, I'll give you like $700,000 right now, cash to buy this business from. me." Like that's a venture capital guy. Like he was looking to come in with just a lot of money, wow me, and then take what I've built, which like I care about and like is run ethically and, and does good for people. And he would have just, <laughs> just destroyed it. Just straight up taking it for profit, just, you know, done whatever he wanted to. Like, that's what they do. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. And so I think for companies that don't want to kind of expose themselves to sharks as much, they are looking to take advantage and utilize other methods of raising money like this because, you know, you're not going to get that with a large retail fund. But also, like I said, I think it builds your marketing platform and your audience while also raising money. It's like, it's kind of like two birds with one stone. So basically what I'm getting from all this is that the three of us should just start a, you know, a stock dad's shark tank. Oh yeah. yeah that's not? a little different. Cause that's like, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be too laborious. This is like no muss, no fuss. It's like you put right. the money up and you don't have to do any work. What you're talking yeah. about is like, you gotta be up in it. Like, why the hell are you doing this? Like <laughs> we're not doing that. And you go and do work and all that. But yeah, this is more like you just give them the money and you wait your turn. And then when it goes public, you get your terms of like, hey, wait one hour to sell. Or like, there are no terms. You have to wait 30 days just so you're not. Because SEC doesn't want them pumping it out and dumping the stock. And the company doesn't want that either. Especially if it's a good company that has the intention to go public and grow. They don't want their price just tanking immediately. But um, a good example, too, is like you look at Palantir, PLTR, everyone's seen that one. Uh, I think it went public. Uh, so a friend of mine put up 50 grand to get in on a private basis. Um, I think he got in at like 650 a share. Uh, it ran up to like, what, 60 bucks at one point? Yeah, I, I think it IPO'd it above nine or something like that. Maybe 760, 750, something like that. But either way, the price by which he got in by being early money. Uh, was already a positive return on his investment by the time it went public. So like that's kind of the benefit here. It's like whoever's in first is going to get the greatest return, but also is taking the most risk. So you want to kind of be like, I like to be somewhere in the middle where I get in early enough that the return is worth it. It's going to beat sitting and holding the S&P. It's going to beat holding the Dow. It's going to beat having any index fund allocation, but it also doesn't carry the risk of like, trading OTC or like buying a next day expiration options contract. I don't want that either. So up until now, like these private equities, like they have not been something that the typical retail investor can get into. Right. Do you think the waves are kind of changing where this is going to be something where it's easier for just the average retail investor to stumble upon or trade or, or anything like that do you know what that would look like really i mean it would take like uh you know kind of like a robin hood of sorts but for this stuff yeah like an okay. investment platform brokerage that can transact those deals and so basically receive money and distribute equity 
or receive the money, hold the equity within the brokerage, and then they hold the equity. But um, definitely, I mean, I, and I think it will grow. I think it will kind of become hopefully more of a staple of investing. It's another way to diversify. Like, I'm, like don't liquidate, you know, you're, you're holding like, you know, Caterpillar, Facebook, like don't, don't liquidate that stuff. <laughs> don't. But there's no harm in throwing a little bit of money over into something like this that has like, you know, higher risk, but also significantly higher returns. You know, you're looking at an average return of like anywhere from seven to 10 percent. If you're holding like a well-diversified portfolio of index funds and mutual funds, ETFs, you you're looking at like seven to 11 percent. You know, if you're having a great month, 12 and then that's a great return, less fees, maybe 10 percent all told. This is something like you wait three years and you could see 500 percent. So like it's a big difference, you know, but like, again, it takes diversity, like even within private equity, you want to try to distribute it amongst like five deals because odds are one of them is going to fail, you know, two might do okay. And one of them might blow up. So you want to make sure that you're diversified so that your net P and L at the end of the day is positive and substantially positive. You know, the wins outweigh the losses kind of thing. I think it's a great way to diversify. Just like, just like I think, honestly, everyone should have some crypto. Like it doesn't have to be a lot, but five, 10 percent just have something in it because you never know. You know, it's, it's an untapped market. Like I have personally, like maybe 15 percent, 10 percent of my total money in crypto. The rest is in long term stocks, mutual funds, ETF stuff I believe in. But I think you should have something. And like I'm basically moving another 10 percent into private equity. So I'm taking about 25 percent into riskier assets or, or vehicles and then the other remaining 75%. And again, it's all about your plan. I'm only 30. Like I have time. If it all goes to shit by the time I'm 40, like I still have another 20 years before I need to retire to figure it out. So I'm willing to take a little bit of risk, but any of us, I think it's just a good idea to diversify, especially because the minimum is a hundred bucks. Like how many times have you pissed away a hundred bucks doing something stupid? I'm pretty financially frugal. So, you know, yeah, I and mean, I'm I did boring. It I did it so, yesterday on a Palantir call, so I mean, it was, that's what I mean. It, it happens. So yeah. Well, no, this is this is it's it's definitely interesting. It's it's something that's a little bit of a novel concept still, I think, to a lot of retail investors and stuff. So I mean, there's a uh, you know much to be learned and explored in this area, and you know I'm excited to you know keep talking with you about it and hear more about your experiences and maybe get involved in some stuff on you know on my end as well, but. Yeah, I appreciate it, Austin. As always, I'm gonna we're gonna wrap this episode up here with you know our dad jokes and stuff. As always, been super valuable. So who who wants to start here? Who wants to Austin? You got one. You wanna you wanna drop a dad joke on us? How do you make the pool table laugh? How you tickle its balls? That is good. Not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, um, we have one more though, just because this okay. is a good one. It's one of my favorite ones I've ever found. Okay, a naked man breaks into the church, and the police chased him around. Dude, don't tell the story about me. Where did they catch the man? I don't know. Locked up in the organ. Digging <laughs> 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 the pipe. <laughs> we warned you guys this would be an explicit episode, so nobody can uh, nobody can blame us on this one. You better not be listening in the car with your children. Probably should disclose that more clearly at the beginning. Yeah, put an extra disclaimer on. Mike, what do you got? 
I'm I'm kind of back and forth between two. Why did the little girl's ice cream melt? Why? Because she was on fire. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 Sorry. It, I felt like that that one was a little little dark, but <laughs> oh, this dark. was a good time to get it out. <laughs> oh man. A little dark. Uh, be charred by the time you Oh, dark humor. What was the it? other one you had? Was it equally as dark? It wasn't as dark. It's I just think it's fun. I want to save it though. I don't want to blow blow too much. Mike doesn't ones. Mike's Mike's database isn't as expansive it's so he not. has to save them when he get when he oh, finds them yeah. you know yeah uh, i have a uh i have a joke that i've been saving for an explicit episode so he's been saving this like for you austin oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right so what did cinderella do when she got to the ball i've heard this one what she gagged <laughs> <laughs> Why is there only one ball? (laughs) I don't know. Poor guy. It's it's part of the mystery. (laughs) Or did it mean like she got to the ball and there's a lot of guys there? I don't think it's I don't think that's... Either way. Either way, way, really. Yeah, yeah, you can can uh, twist it however you want to. (laughs) There's a... Austin, we know you don't have a gag reflex. Stop, stop playing. <laughs> um, no, that's in a uh, Disney Cards Against Humanity. What? Yeah, there's a Disney version of Cards oh, Against really? Humanity. Yeah, oh. that's. What I thought it, you were so saying it was in like a Disney show or something. I was like, wow, Disney has no. really changed. <laughs> yeah, Disney really starting to know their audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so that's where there's actually probably a lot of good ones from that from that game. Probably. Well, there you go. Get yourself a cards from Cards of Humanity or a was that what it's called? Cards of Humanity. Disney's Children's Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. <laughs> cards Against Humanity. And all yeah. the rest. <sighs> all right, guys. Um, this has been fun. I appreciate you coming on again, Austin. Uh, this won't be the last our listeners hear of you. So uh, uh, appreciate you as always, Mike. Thanks for being here, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. So, <laughs> um, all right. If you guys aren't already a part of our our Stock Dads community, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have a Discord. You can uh, check that out as well, stockdads.com slash plans. Uh, and we are, unfortunately, on TikTok, which is, you know, mildly embarrassing at times. But, mm-hmm. hey, we, we try our best with what we can because we're forward thinking, right, Austin? Exactly. And just remember, it may not be long. But it sure is thin. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Back to you. All right, guys. I'm going to wrap it up with that one. Here we go. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a five-star review and join our premium community on Discord at stockdads.com slash plans. You can also follow us on all major social media platforms. But most importantly, stay off the grass.